name is Justin Young, and you're listening to the Saluki Gamescast. This is episode 19 for Friday, September 2nd, 2022. Woo! Electric boogaloo. <laughs> Ryan is very excited for this episode. Uh, that's Ryan Friels that you heard, and also Alicia Utek. And OJ is being very silent right now because OJ is on his phone. I believe that OJ is probably distracted by all the birthday wishes he is getting today because today is OJ's birthday. Happy birthday birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear OJ. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. And many more. (laughs) On Channel 4. (laughs) Scooby-Doo on Channel (laughs) 2. This is a video game podcast. It should be Channel 3. Figure, figure something out <laughs> right at that. That's true. OJ, that's a reference you only get because you're old enough to get yeah. it. <laughs> I remember that. What are you talking about? <laughs> you're really revealing your age with that <laughs> reference. Um, yeah, so how's everyone doing? I guess let, let's start with OJ. OJ, how's it feel to be another year older? Uh, it feels okay. I I got a present already, and they're uh, so very deep purple uh, chucks, which I so they haven't had them for a really long time. I've had to get lavender ones, which lavender is okay, but there's really deep purple like chuck. I'm not wearing them right now. We're all so checking your. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they had them in stock, so I was able to get some of those for my birthday. So I'm very excited about that. And this weekend, we're going to be going to uh, Paducah to do an escape room. So Ooh. I'm really, really excited about that. Is it the one out there behind the mall? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's cool. going to be great. Yep. That'll be exciting. I love escape rooms. So. All right. Um, Ryan, what's new? Uh, I'm doing good. I've just been working on dissertation stuff, uh, video games, and also I watched the movie uh, Shin Godzilla, which really good Godzilla. Not, I still, original is my favorite, but it was kind of like a very much a speculative science fiction. It's like watching how a government would actually respond if having to deal with Godzilla. And you were very much focusing on like the competing opinions within like the Japanese government and like the issues of bureaucracy and red tape in mm-hmm. terms of how you respond. And I guess the main thing I wish was there was a little more character development because it's just kind of them doing the, the characters doing their jobs, but it was really like a cool piece of speculative fiction um, to look at and just how it talks about like also Japan trying to deal with international tensions and that kind of situation and stuff and uh, freaking terrifying Godzilla the Godzilla in this looked like something out of Hellraiser um, <laughs> dang it was Cenobite Godzilla <laughs> pretty, yes like, if you look up pictures yeah that's that's pretty much him um, but it's it was an awesome movie uh, directed by Diaki Anno who was the main creator behind Evangelion, so I was fascinated for by that reason. And 1954's Godzilla is one of my favorite movies of all time. So it was cool to watch those things come together. Um, In case you think that Ryan's just a poser, we should note that right now he's wearing a Catzilla shirt. (laughs) So, like, he is walking the walk. (laughs) He's living the Godzilla lifestyle. He's very much a big Godzilla fan. I have two Godzilla shirts. I have an Evangelion carrying case that I carry around with me. That's So, yeah, I'm I'm the real deal. (laughs) No posers in this room. Uh, Yeah, that original Godzilla film, I, I think people because of what those films became, don't sometimes understand what that original film was. 
and that the original film is actually like a good movie. Oh, like, it's amazing. It, it's not like the goofy later, you know, Godzilla's son, Godzuki running around and stuff. <laughs> it, it's like an actual, like really good movie. I, and I love the seventies Godzilla, sixties and seventies right. Godzilla films, but I love them because of how stupid they are <laughs> to some degree, you know, how goofy and everything they are. But like that original film is actually like a really good film. If someone, if people oh. haven't seen it. Oh yeah. It's a, an amazing film about Japan dealing with the trauma of what world mm. war two did to them. And like, mm. you know what the atomic bombs did. And this film does call back to that too. It references oh. that. Um, no, it's an amazing film. And you know, that's why like I get mad at like, cause you go from this like anti-war and, Bivalent film about our future with nuclear technology, and then you get like I think it was made in 2014, like the American remake of Godzilla, where it's like Godzilla working with the American army to like fight <laughs> off other monsters, and like he's the hero. Like I'm like I this no. <laughs> the fact that they've turned Godzilla into the hero just blows my mind. So like I I've never seen a Godzilla movie. I apologize. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm well, that's a lie. I saw. Mystery Science Theater 3000 doing the Matthew, Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I mean, that's like all of them. You've seen that Godzilla movie. You've seen them all. Th but that movie is like they made an entirely different movie, and then somebody said, we got the Godzilla rights, and they're like, just change the name. <laughs> no one will notice. True. Yeah, we're not too big of a fan of the name Iguana Demon. Just go ahead. <laughs> But, like, isn't Godzilla supposed to be the bad guy? Why is he now the hero? There's or a, is Kong the hero? I'm confused. There's a very <laughs> complex dialogue to be had there in terms of, like, what Godzilla represents. Like, he's simultaneously, like, the victim of nuclear warfare, as was Japan, but he's also kind of nuclear warfare being acted upon Japan, and there's there's a huge conversation to be had there. As term, but he's not, like, strictly a hero or villain originally. Um, he, he later grew into the hero, and there's complex readings of those movies afterwards, but they're not the same. And and just for the record, no, in the original King Kong versus Godzilla, King Kong did win. It, it ends that way in both the American and Japanese version. It Godzilla did not win. Like, I think even, like, the studio announced, yeah, no, King Kong won. What, what the hell's wrong with people? He, he swam away. Godzilla sank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you had to wait for the after the credits scene and, like, Freddy versus Jason where, like, Freddy winks at the camera. <laughs> Godzilla at the end, like, winks at the camera. <laughs> we got the fishes. That he sank Comes out. What are you doing here? Go home. The movie's over. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Matthew Broderick. <laughs> That's why I made the joke. <laughs> Best scene in any movie ever. Well, not really, but like, I just love it when King Kong just like says, screw it, takes a tree, like a giant tree and just stuffs it down Godzilla's throat. Like, and then Godzilla's just like, what the hell? And then like breathes it out of his mouth. Like it, it, it is beautiful. It is. It looks like two drunk dads fighting each other. In costumes, and I love it. I, I read that somebody, a commenter, say that on IMDb, and I, I'm just like, I can't remember who they were, but bravo, you, you really captured it with that. Well, I mean, those modern films are very made, much made for drunk dads at this point. <laughs> like it's the people who grew up on those old films and everything, so they know who their audience is. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, Alicia. I don't have anything that exciting going on. <laughs> Um, I've been good. This week feels like it's been five years long. It hasn't been bad. It's just been very busy. <laughs> so I am excited for the three-day weekend, getting to have Monday off and just be a potato instead of a human being. 
That's aspirational. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if I actually get to do it. But that's that's you know, work, plan your work and work your plan. <laughs> All right. Um, how are you, Justin? How are I'm, you? <laughs> OJ again doesn't ask. <laughs> slacking off. Uh, I'm I'm just so waiting for an answer that I couldn't even speak. <laughs> <laughs> Anticipation overwhelms yes, him. I'm that way attentive. to one of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like really, he's sticking it to you, isn't he? <laughs> I'm going to not ask and be arrogant about it. <laughs> OJ's like, they just want to speak. I want to listen. <laughs> Those purple converse, they're the color of royalty. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are. <laughs> This is what happens when you get communication majors in the same room. <laughs> they start turning it on each other. Um, yeah, I've been good. It's been a, a good week. Um, I'm also very much looking forward to the three-day weekend. Also excited. I can't believe, Alicia, you haven't brought it up. Rings of Pyre came out this morning or late last night. It did. This this whole morning has been so weird. I completely <laughs> forgot. As you yeah. say, I just got a notification about it when we were talking. Um, I'm, I'm super excited to watch that, uh, a little hesitant, you know, I'm going in with low expectations just so I'm not disappointed, but, um, you know, I, I love a, a good new show. Hopefully this one is worthwhile Two hours, you know, it's like basically watching a movie this weekend. Yeah. So that makes me pretty excited and, um, excited for the three day weekend just in general. Um, you know, get some time off and get caught up on after only two weeks of school, get caught up already. <laughs> what a mood, though. <laughs> I think that's how we all feel a little bit. Uh, for all of you out there listening, uh, we are implementing some changes in the podcast. So if you've been listening for a little bit, you may notice the format today will be slightly different. Um, so we're going to start off with what you're playing. So, Alicia, what have you been playing this week? I have not been playing a whole lot, to be honest. Uh, I played a little bit more of Kirby Star Allies. I'm still working my way through beating all the levels with the different characters. Um, what else have I been doing? I got back into Pokemon Cafe Remix, which I think is also free on the Switch, but I play it on my phone because I'm lazy. <laughs> um, I think tonight I'm going to go home and play a little bit more Stardew Valley. I haven't gotten to play that yet as much i feel like that's a game that once it gets into you becomes a daily game yeah like yeah that what, you don't have to check in daily in the same way that mm -hmm. you do with animal crossing but you want to mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yeah and like a lot of my friends on twitch have been playing that and so i'm like i i'm seeing all this fun stuff and i want to do this <laughs> <laughs> um the other thing i might do this weekend i might go out one of my friends on twitch is been playing a one death equals reset run of Renegade Platinum, which is a difficulty ROM hack for Pokemon Platinum that introduces future game mechanics like fairy type and all that, you know, gives buffs to different Pokemon, makes everything harder where, you know, all the gym leaders have six Pokemon. You have a bunch more boss battles throughout the game and he's just making it look like so much fun. I'm, not much of a PC gamer, so I have no idea how I would go out and do this. That I'm probably going to fail miserably, but I think it looks fun. So I might go out and play some of that this weekend. We'll see. Cool. Sounds neat. Um, Ryan, what have you been up to? So I have finished AI The Somnium Files 2. 
All right. So I like it. Um, all right. So like it, the ending got interesting again and I've kind of had to just sit and like marinate with this game because there's a lot of really interesting stuff in it. There's a lot of stuff that just does not stick the landing. Um, I paid more attention to how the timeline works once they, you know, like, and again, spoiler alert, uh, the timeline in this game changes towards the end. Like, you want to know why these things have happened in this weird order? It's because that wasn't really the order. It's the timeline. We mixed it up on you. Woo, what a <laughs> twist. Um, and I still think that's, like, the idea of the game. Like, they technically did it in a way that worked when I look back at it. Like, I haven't played it. I need to go back and play it again to actually fully make sure. I don't know that I want to do that. But I was looking back, I was like, okay, this looks like it makes more sense than it actually did initially. So they might have done a smoother job than I was giving it credit for, but there's still little weird issues. Um, like two characters were clones of each other, and you were... And so one of the twists is, like, you thought you were playing one character, but actually you were playing them and their clone, and they're six years apart that you're playing them, and that's how one of the time things work. But it's like, so wait, they were just dressed the exact same way? Like, they had to have them dressed the same way so that I couldn't tell at first, but that just feels weird to me. And it just, it's such a boring twist that, that so the idea is that in the game, there's the half-body murders, and you're seeing one half of body at one time and then the other half of the body six years later. But the way the bodies are aged, like, when they examine them, it's like both, it's like each time there were recent deaths. Like, but if we knew they died six years ago, how is it that, we're getting the other half of their body six years later, and it looks like they just recently died. And that's where the twist comes in. It's like, because the timeline messed it up on you and the game, it actually wasn't six years apart. It was like the next day. And that, to me, is just such a boring twist. Like, you're taking the hook of the game, and then, like, nope. Um, now, that said, that's not the only part of the game. Like, the mysteries are interesting. The character building is still interesting, but it's not as good as it was in the first game. Like, at first it seemed more ambitious and it seemed like it was going to be cooler, but as I played it throughout, the first game you're just playing one detective and their AI ball, haha, um, that are communicating with each other. And you're do it does a really good job of, like, bonding them and connecting them to the character throughout. Um, I read somebody else's review where they thought that this struggled with doing that with two characters. And at first I thought it did a good job of balancing them, but yeah... None of them feel like they have. They generally connect to all the other characters around them as well. They are not as those con emotional connections are not built up. They're not badly done necessarily, but you don't have the same emotional connection to the different relationships going on, um, because there's so much stuff competing for time in the game. Um, aside from that, as much as I think I like all the characters individually more than the main character in the first game, I don't think so. The characters have their AI balls, which are like their prosthetic eyeballs that are also artificial intelligences that they can talk to and that they work with. Um, I don't think some, I don't think any of the characters in the game like have as good of a relationship except maybe one of the characters. Um, but you don't see as much as them. Um, I don't think for the most part though, they have as good a relationship with their AI ball as the main character did in the first game. I don't think he's necessarily as interesting as all the other characters on his own, but I think they did a good, jo better job of building his relationships with other characters is what I'm saying. Um, the, the issue is just that the game got too ambitious, I think. It's still interesting, but it got too ambitious. The twists weren't an interesting enough payoff. And it's a game where I look, I, where the more I think about stories in the game, like there's just things that feel really weird in it. Like 
it feels like the characters have gaps in their own memory that aren't explained in the game, for example. And it just kind of leaves you wondering. And maybe they'll talk about that in the third game. It looks like they're planning to do a third one. But it just it doesn't make this for a satisfying game in and of itself all the way. I still liked it. I still enjoyed it. I'd still recommend people play it. But um, I think your expectations, I, I would keep them down from the first game. And also note that I'm going to probably have my expectations lowered when the third game's come out, assuming it does. Um, that So that's my feelings about... I have another game I played recently, but if anybody has any questions, I can answer those. Um, I don't think I have any questions because you've talked about it a couple, you know, yeah. you talked about it last week and then this week. I know you and I talked about it some off air as well. So um, I feel like I kind of knew some of your feelings going into this and everything, but it, it just sounds like a game, you know, when you talk about the twist, the sort of twist that annoys me in a movie you know, right. where it yeah. feels like they have cheated, right, by holding information back from me that I would have no way of knowing. That doesn't feel like a, a twist as much as it feels like changing the rules at the last minute. Yeah. And, you know, that feels somehow even more frustrating, I think, within a video game because you're an active participant versus a movie where you are being told the story, right? Yeah, right. like with a movie, they can redirect you and, okay, the direction made it so I couldn't see. But with a video game, you're like, I expect to be able to explore this world enough to figure things out. Right. And No, I agreed. And, like, they give some hints. But even if... And they do give some hints, like, that I look at in retrospect. But even then, it's just such an unsatisfying payoff. Um, and I think about that in comparison to... Even if it wasn't quite... It didn't quite twist it as much. You kind of... I kind of went in with more of an idea of what might happen... I liked better how it you simply had the flow chart of like different timelines. And in the science fiction of the first game, basically the idea is is that there's these different timelines that you're playing out, but your character can kind of psychically relate to them in some sense because the subconscious that they and the character subconscious, the subconscious is something that connects all the characters, like the character in all his different timelines, and he can kind of draw information from those different timelines that he didn't have otherwise. Sure. And I think that's kind of cool and that's kind of neat. I it's I like my mind-bendy sci-fi, and I don't know if I'm necessarily going to say that's the best mind-bendy sci-fi, but it was interesting, and I thought they did a good job of sticking with it. Also, there was interesting payoffs. Like, at the very beginning of that game, um, the, there was something about if the AI ball for ever, any reason needed to be self-destructed, like if that ever were to somehow happen. Um, and, you know, he, they said that, and basically he was, they're like, okay, how are we going to do that? And they're like, our way of doing that is you say the AI ball's favorite number, because they have a personality and a favorite number, and there's, and you tell it two lies. And that pays off because they do end up doing that at the end of the game. And, you know, it's a way, and they even do pay off in a way to build on the ocean emotional connection between the detective and his AI ball. Because, like, what he says is he says their favorite number, which it's revealed later that each letter of that number is actually associated with the letter, like, the number of letters in his name. Mm. Um, and the two lies he says is, I hate you and I'll, and I'll never think about you again. Because, you know, therefore the exact opposite mm -hmm. being the case. And um, I'm sorry, this is very spoiler heavy, but mm. like I just I want to get across like what's different about these games and how one emotionally pays off, I think, so much more than the other. Um, right. There is like some big emotional twist at the end, but it's regarding characters that don't have near as much connection with each other as he did with his like AI ball assistant. So it's mm -hmm. 
It's just, it was smaller, but it was just such a better told story. And I'm not going to say it was perfect. There's a lot of anime cringe in that game, in both <laughs> games. Um, and, like, there's a lot of cringy dude bro humor about him that I would have done better in a way where I was definitely making more fun of him than agreeing with him on anything, because I feel it's a little more vague at times in this. But it's kind of, I'm going to say, like, it's kind of like early Homer and the early Simpsons. He's a jerk and he's an ass, but he does have a heart, and they do a good job of showing that. Sure. Um, and again, and they do a good job of making building his chemistry with the other characters. The other characters are more likable on their own, I think, in the next game, but they just, except for two new characters, they don't have the same amount of chemistry. Mm -hmm. um, and just how much time you're competing for each character to relate to other characters, it's just not as strong or worth it. One good thing I guess I'll say is that the villain is actually more interesting at the end, I think, in the second game, but that it doesn't quite as matter as much as everything else, I don't think. Right. Yeah. So what was the other game you played? Um, so I actually didn't play this this week. I played this last week, but I just didn't mention it because I want to talk more about Doom and um, AI of Somnium Files 2. But a game I had played recently was I played a little bit of Earthworm Jim uh, 2. I really appreciate what this game was going for. I don't think it holds up that well. Um, and maybe it's just the version I played. It's the port on the Switch, like the Super Nintendo Switch. Or is it the Genesis? I, I can't remember. It's, one the, it's a port, though. Um, and it just it felt really clunky. Um, I like the level design. I think the level design is cool, and there's like a lot of cool ideas going on in it. I like the aesthetic. I, Earthworm Gem is like an awesome character design, I think. I... Um, I would argue that Earthworm Gem 2 has always been a bad game. <laughs> I, see, and I, I don't have the context for that because I didn't, like, play it when it first came out. I wasn't... Yeah. I I actually kind of liked Earthworm Gem through the cartoon when I was a little kid. Um, I didn't play much of the games. But I play, tried playing it, and it just it feels so clunky. And, like, there's the second... I got past the first level, but the second level, I just... I think I can beat it if I played enough times, I just don't care enough to try it again. It's just because you're digging, you're tunneling your way through the platform level. Right. Like, because you're digging out dirt. But there's also a, a really annoying timer that's going on, and I hate that. Like, it doesn't make it fun. It just makes it more stressful, and I'm just like, and it's, and combining a timer with clunky gameplay mechanics just is not a good experience for me. Yeah. Um. So, like... I think those Earthworm Jim games were part of that 90s 16-bit era where everybody was trying to get into mascot games. Right. So yeah. you had Mario already, but then Sega obviously had huge success with Sonic. And then you start to get all these knockoff uh, mascots, Arrow the Acrobat and Bubsy and, um, you know, Rolo to the Rescue. And, like, all these different... Rolo was like a, a, an elephant, I think. Um and you had all these games, and Earthworm Jim had such good character design. Which hurts. And that was, like, the coolest part of that game. And the first level of the first Earthworm Jim game is legitimately kind of just fun. But even that first game, once you get past the first level, you're like, this is not that great of a game. Like, this is a great character, and it's got some great funny bits in that first level where you're, like, throwing the cow and everything. But, like... Once you get past that, it's kind of a mediocre platformer. Yeah, um, and I remember because I love that character design so much. I want to love a game with him in it. Right. Yeah. Um, it's like Booger Man, <laughs> <laughs> also a character from that era. Well, and 
like the I think some of the villain designs are so cool for it. Like the the artist like sure. hit it out of the park with those designs. Um, so it's like I think it to me it's like the same frustration as when you like watch a movie that has really good elements, but the whole thing doesn't just hold up that well. Right. Um. Because I've had movies where like there's pieces of this I really like. Like I think that's how I feel about some like the earlier two thousand like. I think, like, the early 2000s Hulk movie, like, that Ang Lee directed. Right. There's, like, some really good things in that. Like, I actually, like, I think the musical score to that movie was really cool. Um, and there's, like, some cool ideas for translating a comic to a movie in terms of, like, I think some, like, the visual, like, editing and stuff. But it just, it wasn't a good movie. Right. Um, and I, that's just kind of how I feel about Earthworm Jim, I think. Like, I still remember playing the Earthworm Jim 3D game when I was a kid. And just the clunky boss fight not being able to get past like you had to collect all your marbles while like surfing on a pig in a puddle of mud which <laughs> sounds so fun right but so if you lost it, your marbles you can't play the game no you can't be, you can't beat the level that's the thing you're it's all takes place in Earthworm Jim's head in that game like he suffers brain trauma when i think a cow was dropped on him well, I mean, it's like the cow from the first game landing or something, I think, is the joke. I think there's like a payoff connecting to the, back to the first <laughs> game. See, there's, so, there's creative stuff in it I love, but just the gameplay itself is... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's one it's of those like, games that it's more fun to watch a Let's Play than to play it yourself. <laughs> I, I, like, I think somebody that's got good game design skills needs to like, take care of these characters and do them some justice. But, yeah, I just... It, it was just kind of mechanically a disappointment. I, I don't. I remember trying to play it on Game Boy Advance when I was a kid. The poor that didn't go well. Um, yeah. And so I tried to play it on this, and I just it's like maybe it's right. I think it does play better, but it's still like the game mechanics just aren't enough to hold up. I'd rather play something that both looks good and is really good to play. So. Sure. Yeah. Well, good lesson. You can't go back to those childhood favorites. Because a lot of them really do not hold up super well. Um, OJ, what have you been playing? Uh, so I've been really playing two games. Uh, first, I talked about uh, ah, I talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, I went back to start playing Bayonetta. I bought Bayonetta one and two, uh, and so I'm, I'm playing through it really slowly. Whereas, like the first time I went through it, I I'm, I always barreled through games, but now I'm trying to enjoy games a lot more. Uh, but I really, really love Bayonetta. Again, it's a little harder than I think, but honestly, I think it's it's because of the port um, to the Switch, and it was it was just a little bit easier with an Xbox controller playing the first one originally. Uh, but I really, really am loving the game. I love the character Bayonetta, um, and I'm just like, yes, Queen, smash that angel with your hair boot, and it's <laughs> it's just it's it's the best thing ever. That needs to be a Stop. song. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I. And I don't remember Bayonetta 2 very well. I'll remember it more when I start playing it. It's not like a Final Fantasy X. But, um, so I think it's going to be really, really great moving into the second one, and I'm very, very excited for the third one to be coming out soon. Uh, and second is I've gotten back into playing Pokemon Go. And uh, so both of my partners are playing now, and we've all played on and off for the past few years, but not at the same time. But now that we're all playing at the same time, it's great. Um, and last weekend was a like Pokemon Go Fest Part Two type thing. I can't remember exactly what it was called, um, but we all had a ticket, and it was six hours, and the Ultra Beasts were unlocked. And it's a little weird too because I haven't really played that many Pokemon ga games outside of Pokemon Go. I played Pokemon Snap, I played uh, Pokemon Stadium, and I played Let's Go Eevee. But I haven't really played any of the mainline games except for uh, Red and Blue 
when they first came out a very long time ago. And so I, I'm always get constantly getting exposed to new Pokemon and new lore from the games through Pokemon Go. Right. And now that the Ultra Beasts are there and there's like a, a muscular fire cat. Uh, but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. And then uh, Feromosa, which is a sexy bug. And then... <laughs> Uh, I do enjoy how people try to describe Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's better than any name they could actually come up with yeah. in most cases. Um, and then there's a Christmas tree cat, which I think is awesome, uh, with, with Christmas lights on. Uh, <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, so I, was, I was really excited playing that this weekend. And um, now it's the season of light, uh, which just started. And I, so I'm very excited to be playing through that. Uh, there's a... Uh, kind of a sad thing. A friend of mine who uh, was a friend on Pokemon Go, uh, she got locked out of her account and was never able to recover it. She spent, like, months trying to recover it. And she she had been all around the world. She traveled to Thailand. She traveled through Europe. Uh, so she had a lot of awesome stuff in that account. But we were when she got locked out, we were one day away from becoming best friends. No. And so I have a present from her. That I is just sitting there that I won't take because that'll make us best friends. Uh, and you get a lot of experience for becoming best friends. So people usually use the lucky egg before doing it. Uh, but I just keep, I am keeping it there just in case she ever gains access back to her account. Uh, and then is able to like play again so we can use our eggs and, and become best friends. Uh, but if this was a few years ago. I don't know if she'll ever be able to. But this is such uh, a tragic story. Yeah. <laughs> One of those um, sad Pokemon stories. Um, yeah, she's 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 an amazing person that I met through Pokemon Go, uh, with the local community. Wow, like this is <laughs> this needs to be the focus of like some Nintendo this Direct is... presentation. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs another Poke- Detective Pikachu movie when we can have this? I know. Nintendo right? Rica. <laughs> so wait, do you still like know them outside of the yeah, game? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay uh, She she makes us banana bread and these amazing little cookies all the time, and we make her uh, some stuff. So so, so she's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, but I keep on seeing that gift there, and I'm like, oh, there's uh, like I miss joy. Cubone, <laughs> like it's a sad Pokemon story. Now, yeah, that's, um, that's quite the story. <laughs> but I so at my at my office in the building now, I have access to three Pokestops rather than two when I was on this side of the building. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, and I, I'm I'm really excited just seeing new Pokemon, which I know they're not new, but like seeing all the Galarian versions. They're new these. to you. Yeah. Yep. And so there's, there's a relatively new mechanic, which is an adventure incense. And so you use this, and you have to be moving through it. Like a regular incense, when you use it, Pokemon will still spawn, but not as much if you're still. But for this one, they won't spawn unless you're moving, and it goes for 15 minutes. And it can give you Pokemon that aren't available in your area. So it mo- like 75% of them are ones that are available in the area, but 25% have a chance for stuff that's not in your area, including Galarian, the Galarian legendaries, um, like with Moltres, Zapdos, and Articuno. And uh, so my partner Kyle has seen two of them. I haven't seen one yet. Josh hasn't seen one. And when, when they do appear, they have a really, really, really low catch rate and a really high run rate. So not a lot of people get them. But I keep on doing this incense, and, like, I'm glad because it's getting me moving and, like, I'm not going to lie, most of my exercise comes from playing video games. So, <laughs> so you know. I mean, if it works. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm getting a lot of movement and going, but, like, I still haven't seen a Galarian bird. I'm a little upset. It's been it's been about a month now, I think, that I've been, we've been doing this. So 
Honestly, I will tell you the Galarian forms of the birds are ugly mm-hmm. as I'll get out. <laughs> <laughs> so are, are there a lot of people still playing Pokemon Go? I mean, we're in a college town, mm-hmm. so is it still a pretty active scene here locally? Yeah, there's a, a Discord um, for it where people are uh, get together to do raids. Now, raids don't take as much as they used to because people have a lot stronger Pokemon now that are able to fight. Mm. Uh, so you don't need as many people. Whereas before, we had to get like 20 people in a group to take down like like Mewtwo. Uh, but they're, none of them are really that hard anymore. And you can invite people like with remote raid passes. I'll say uh, remote raid in. passes really changed the yeah. game. yeah. Uh, but there are still a lot of people. So whenever there's a community day or a raid day or something, we'll see a lot of people that are out. Um, some people that we knew. Um, so my partner Josh used to do, um, when community days first started, for like the first year, um, he would organize a group getting together and a um, a raffle that we would do. Um, and then we stopped doing that. But the Discord, the community there, there's an RSO on campus, and the Discord community is still pretty strong here. That's, uh, I think that's always amazing to me with games when they sort of leave the like limelight mm-hmm. and they leave the sort of um, popular conversation in the video game world, right? Like there was a time when everybody was talking about Pokemon Go mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. even just the general public, mm-hmm. right? Everybody was kind of fascinated by it. And then it kind of goes away, but it doesn't go away people just stop talking about it and it sort of settles into this place where, you know, there are still tons of people playing this game. You just don't hear about it unless you're in that particular scene. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very different place for video games to be in today because there are are lots of games like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know we've talked about this before on the show, um, but there's a lot of games that are in that position today. Um, and, you know, quietly hundreds of thousands, millions of people around the world are playing these games. But, like, you would have no idea unless you were in that particular mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I think Pokemon Go is also really fascinating, too, because, like, when it came out, everyone and their, and their mom was mm-hmm. playing it, you yeah. know? Sure. And then there are, I don't want to say knockoffs, because, like, they're... Mm-hmm. Proper <laughs> brands in and of themselves. Yeah. Like there was the Harry Potter version. There's a Pikmin version. Well, a lot of those made by they're the same company. They're all made by the same company. Right. Yeah, so they're not knockoffs. But well, The Harry Potter one shut down now, too. Is it? Yeah. Dang. And it's like, it wasn't did, that good. I will say, who Jurassic played Park. those? <laughs> J.K. Rowling did. Like, it was like, <laughs> like play with me. Like, I downloaded both of them, and I don't think I ever opened them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's really fascinating how, like, Pokemon Go still has... A decent hold mm-hmm. on people. Right. Yeah. I, I and then these other ones just, like, people may have downloaded them, but mm-hmm. they've, you know, everyone who still plays Pokemon Go, like you said, the Harry Potter mm-hmm. one just shut down. I've never heard anyone talk about the Pikmin one. I found it by accident. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I didn't even know about it. <laughs> right. I, that, uh, there's some creepy poster stuff behind that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah, I'm... I'm always chasing like the high of when it first came out and everybody was out and stuff. Cause like I'll see my Facebook posts and like uh, at the time when it came out, I lived in a much smaller town, Johnston city and like right at city hall, there were three stops that were right by each other. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to put up a lure and you know, between seven and eight um, and like people I'd never met before in this small town. Like we, we all just came and just sat around 
um, talking and playing Pokemon Go together, and it was awesome. And, like, I never got more exercise than I did that first summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm always, like, hoping to see that many people out again. Um, I don't think it'll ever hit that, but they do keep on updating the game, and they keep on making it better. They keep on adding new and interesting stuff. Although now that they're they're getting close to having, like, all of the available Pokemon out, I'm, I'm wondering where, where they're going to start moving with stuff. Well, they've got a new Pokemon game coming out this fall, so mm -hmm. there'll yeah. be yeah. a whole new slew of Pokemon to put in it. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, I guess, you know, they don't have to worry too soon about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, when that game first came out, it was a very positive thing. Mm -hmm. It was it was building community in through video games in a way that very few games have done, mm -hmm. right? right? I mean, World of Warcraft and a few others, you know, have mm -hmm. done similar things. But, like, it was doing something very unique at the time. And um, and I think you bring up an interesting point, Alicia, when you talk about these other games have tried it. Um, even the same developer making a lot of those games have tried to do the same thing as it, and they've kind of fallen off, which I think always speaks to the enduring popularity of Pokemon. Pokemon is popular at a way, at a level and in a way that defies any other sort of game. Um, you know, it was like during the pandemic when people were raiding uh, targets and Walmarts for Pokemon card packs, you know, yeah. of, the, of the physical cards. And you're like, people are still buying Pokemon cards. People are still really into <laughs> yeah. Pokemon cards. Like this is 25 years old at this point. Like this is something that's been around for a very long time. And, you know, Pokemon games sell more now than they ever have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're putting out two Pokemon games this year. Mm -hmm. And they're wow. both going to, you know, the um, Arceus has already sold like, you know, 12 million copies. And then they're putting out another one that's going to easily sell 12 million mm -hmm. copies and probably into the 20s. And you're just like, what other franchise does this? Mm -hmm. Like not even Call of Duty can do this. You know, two games in the same year selling 10 million plus copies. Like it's kind of crazy the popularity of Pokemon. And I think that's part of the reason why it endures. I mean, it was first, but like, I don't even think that matters as much as it's the Pokemon license. I mean, and we're still finding out new things. Mm -hmm. Like even like I follow a couple of fact channels on YouTube, like did you know gaming and um, blue boy Finn is another one that has been doing some real interesting deep dives into Pokemon. He just did a whole expose thing on the Pokemon Furby toy that never came to be. Did you know gaming is a very God. good channel? Yeah. yeah like, did you know gaming had a whole episode, I think a month ago on how like the original plan or the original concept for red and blue version was every single game would be unique in a way that, you know, we think of randomizers now it's like, we never knew this for the past 25 years. Mm -hmm. I learned, like, you know, about how, like, like the Squirtle to Blastoise line was originally two different lines, and then they combined, like, of evolution, and mm -hmm. then they combined them. That's, I think, you know, why you had the weird wing head thing going on with Wartortle. Yeah. So, yeah <laughs> that weird combination, like, which kind of makes sense. That feels like an awkward teenage year thing that you do, like, hey, I'm just get rid of this. this. These wings. I don't know why I thought that was cool. But, this is like getting the mohawk when you're a teenager. You just want to <laughs> shock your parents. <laughs> it's not a phase, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> I 
doing it because of you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where I learned it. I learned it from watching you. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else, OJ? Uh, no, that's about it for me. All right, cool. Um, all right, so I've been playing a couple of things. Um, one is Bone Razor Minions. So Bone Razor Minions is a vampire survivors-like. Mm. Um, I don't think we have a title for this new genre, but there have been a lot of games released over the last year copying vampire survivors. This is another one, but I, it does some interesting, unique things. So you're playing a, a necromancer in this game. And essentially, you have a very small level. So unlike the Vampire Survivors levels that, for the most part, just sort of go on forever, this is a, a very kind of small, self-contained area. Um, it's a cemetery, basically. And you do not actually fire any weapons yourself. Instead, you raise the dead to fight for you. So your character actually does nothing but move around Nothing's coming out of you. You're not firing anything off yourself, but like um, you do get some magic spells you can cast later, but even those are sort of randomized their effects. Uh, but instead you're, you're raising these minions of the dead. And then, so you're getting things like witches and warlocks and like ghouls with uh, spears and all these different things. And then you're upgrading them progressively as you collect the experience, which in this case come in the form of bones from the enemies that you're killing. Um, and the enemies are, they start off like local villagers who are mad that there's a necromancer in the cemetery <laughs> raising the dead. And so you're killing them and then they slowly progressively get to be bigger and bigger enemies attacking you and, you know, wizards and stuff coming in that mm -hmm. you're having to fight. You're killing them. So you have better people to raise from the dead to <laughs> right. fight more people. Oh, nice. Yeah, very much. Um, and, so much like Vampire Survivors, there's an upgrade. Um, and But, like, you also get individual characters that you unlock by achieving things within the game. And as you unlock those characters, they each have their own upgrade path that's separate from, like, kind of the general upgrades that you can do. Um, it is a very good one of these. It's not quite as good as Vampire Survivors because I don't think it's quite as clever with some of the, like, hidden stuff that vampire survivors has in it it but it is in early access it's not a full release yet and it's only two dollars so vampire survivors partly why it got so big was it was only three dollars on steam this is only two dollars for two dollars i think i've already gotten like five or six hours of play out of this game <laughs> and i have beat the final boss but like there are incentives to go back and play it again even after that um it's fun. For $2, it's a fantastic game. I think it's worth like trying if that sounds at all interesting to you. Um, if you played Vampire Survivors and that game didn't click for you, I don't think this game is going to click any better for you. Um, if you just don't like the new style genre that they're doing. Uh, but, I mean, for 5 bucks for those two games, it's like the best value in games this year. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Yeah, you know, I, I I've been enjoying it. I've had a good time playing it. Does it have the song Pet Cemetery in it? It does not, <laughs> oh. unfortunately. Uh, that's a great song. I know, right? That that and Bonzo went to Bitsburg are my favorite Moan songs. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I'm more of a spooky, scary skeletons fan. <laughs> <laughs> that song might act, actually both of those would probably work really well. I guess you could say, you know, you could play, you're playing it on a PC. It's not on consoles yet. So I guess you could get in there and just play something, you know, some MP3s of yours if you'd <laughs> like. Um, the other game that I've been playing is Arcade Paradise. Um, this is a really weird game as well. Uh, this is maybe even a weirder game than Bone Razor Minions. So Arcade Paradise is your dad owns a laundromat and wants to teach you how to be responsible and run a business and has you take over running the laundromat. And so as you start the game, you are going to the laundromat each day and this detail like is unlike any laundromat I've ever been to, but the entire game is, I believe, made by a European developer. So maybe this is more how laundromats in Europe operate, or maybe this is how they think American laundromats must operate. <laughs> but people bring in their clothes and leave them, and then you wash them in the washing and dryers that you have. Um and so you're like having to put the clothes in the washer and turn it on and then let it run. And then when it's done, you have to go move the clothes over into the dryer and then take them out of the dryer at the end and everything. And that's how you make money. And then you also have to like pick up trash and everything around the laundromat. And uh, when you fill up the trash can, you have to take it out and dump it in the dumpster and all this. I understand. Probably Where does this become arcade <laughs> paradise? Well, Okay. <laughs> There's also a mini game to unclog the toilet that occasionally gets clogged up. So what? Yeah, this game has like weird style to begin with. It is a weird, it feels like a weird web flash game to start with. Like this is the day in the life of working at a laundromat or something. But somebody who doesn't quite understand what working at a laundromat is. Um but it, it, it's interesting, uh, you know, to start with and everything. Where the arcade side comes in is in the back room. There's a back room of the laundromat, and you can buy uh, games, arcade games, and put them into that back room. And so you start earning money by putting these games into that back room. And so as people, like, okay. theoretically come in and do their laundry, they're going back there and playing games in your arcade room. That's realistic. Okay. I don't know if laundromats still do this, but laundromats used to have arcade machines in them. So that element's realistic, right? Like people are in there, they're bored, they need something to do. Oh, that'd be cool if they still did that. Um, but like the games that you're purchasing are all actual mini games, and they're mini games based on like actual 80s and 90s arcade games. So you get like a Pac-Man one. And you do get a Pac-Man one, except it is you driving a sports car around a city and the cops are chasing after you and you are gobbling up little stacks of cash. And the font for the game is the Grand Theft Auto font. That's what I, was just, I was just about to say Pac-Man meets Grand Theft Auto. Okay, that's, that's clever. I would have gone with Yak-Man. <laughs> Uh, that's exactly, I mean, so yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a Pac-Man knockoff. There's knockoffs of other games in here as well. And you're over time accumulating and buying these other machines and everything and building up your collection of games. Um, and the other thing that this game does that's kind of interesting is it has a kind of fun soundtrack. And the soundtrack is 
what's kind of playing as the music in the background, but it's very much this like 90s style soundtrack, uh, but sound alike. So there's stuff in there that sounds sort of like, um, you know, like Eminem or, um, or kind of like rap rock of the late nineties, early two thousands and stuff. Limp biscuit. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it's, it's all like goofy, right? Like it's, it's all like, so but it, goofy, it, like from Disney doing Limp biscuit. Right. <laughs> that I did be. it all for the cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I did it all for a <laughs> Um, but like, I mean, it, it's got this music that just really fits well for it and like kind of puts it into a mood and a, a time without being very specific about the time. Um, it's just kind of a unique game. And like playing it the, at first, you're kind of like, well, why would anybody keep playing this? But as it unlocks more of those arcade games, you just want to keep trying the new ones that it unlocks and everything. Um, so... Yeah, I'm not through it yet. I'm just kind of early into it, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, it also has a, kind of like a neat style to it. it. You know, it's very much going for that sort of indie artist style. Um, and so I, I like it so far. Is that one on Steam or? It is on Steam. Um, you know, I assume that it'll come to consoles at some point, but I don't believe it's on consoles yet, but maybe it is. Um. Yeah, so that's what I've been playing. Uh, let's switch over to the news. Kind of run through some of these news stories real quick. Um, the director of Hunger Games and I Am Legend uh, is doing the Bioshock film for Netflix. His name is Francis Lawrence. I think he did the last two Hunger Games movie and is, I believe maybe doing this new prequel that they have coming out. Oh, yeah. Yay. Um, so, yeah. I mean... Those I don't think any of those are great movies. <laughs> yeah, they're they're fine. I saw the first Hunger Games movie. I liked it, and then I forgot it happened. <laughs> but even I Am Legend, uh, you know, that's the Will Smith like. Um, he has to kill the dog. That's all I know. Well, I'm not watching it. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I think you what the that movies from 2005. I think we're yeah. I think we're past spoiler. He <laughs> was very long, Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> Had to wait for the... Re- you, nobody was, ever returned it to Blockbuster. They were not kind and rewind. Just one second every day for a build-up, Alicia. <laughs> I was but, almost to that part. But I think the big news here, right, is that we're actually finally getting a Bioshock mm-hmm. film, maybe. Um, you know, I feel like 90% of that film is going to be uh, set design and costume design. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know... Um, Ryan, kind of what you were talking about earlier when, like, the look of a film is, like, really great, you mm-hmm. know, but the film itself doesn't follow through. Yeah. Um, I hope that they can at least get the look because that look is so instrumental to that first Bioshock mm-hmm. game and, and, and even Bioshock Infinite when it came later. Um, let's see. Well, isn't Bioshock 1, 2 where the choices you make matter and, like, it de- determines the ending of the game? Mm. To the extent that your choices ever matter in a video mm-hmm. game, yeah. I mean, it, it, yes, it does to some extent. Okay. Um, it's one of those situations where it's very sort of binary in your choices. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah, s- but like there's the bad ending and there's the good ending. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like Depending 50 on. possible mm-hmm. endings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not Disco Elysium where, <laughs> yeah. like, where your choices actually are reshaping the game as you yeah. go along. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, last Friday morning, actually, as we were recording the podcast, uh, there was a story that broke. There was a brief, brief flirtation where people uh, thought that Amazon might be buying electronic art. Spicy. So this was actually a story that got reported uh, through USA Today. They went back afterwards after CNBC said that this story was actually not happening and said, um, hey, this was some bad reporting and everything. We're, you know, recanting this story. (laughs) (laughs) This is not actually going to happen. EA Um, Games challenge everything, including this story. (laughs) I think what's kind of interesting, of course, CNBC is owned by NBC Universal. There was a story earlier this summer that they were going to actually buy EA and merge with them. Um, so this is now twice two big companies. Disney and Apple have also been linked to possibly trying to buy Electronic Arts. Um, I don't know. What are your kind of thoughts? Do you, do you think EA will sell anytime soon? And if so, are any of those companies companies you would want to own electronic arts? I don't know. EA has kind of gone downhill a lot for me. So, like, I don't know why anyone would, would want to buy them. <laughs> <laughs> don't sugarcoat it. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> um, I mean, they, they have some games, but, like, their practices have just been so horrible. So I think even if Amazon bought them, it would have been better business practices, which is saying a lot. So Yeah, I, seriously. I just, I can't think of the last time I was ever interested in the A game. Like, so if, like, KFC was like, we're going to buy EA, I'm like, fine. <laughs> okay. Free yeah. bucket of chicken with every purchase of Madden. <laughs> yeah, EA Games is one of those. Eyes. EA Games is one of those that I'm like, I remember it being everywhere in the early 2000s. And then I, like, every time I see it on our news segments, I'm like, oh, yeah, they, they still do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> They're still alive? They still make, like, um, you know, the Mass Effect games. Uh, mm-hmm. That's EA. And, yeah, I, I think nowadays people knee-jerk just think of sports games. And, yeah. But they are still making some games yeah. that I think have more broader interest. Um, let's see. Uh, Sony has increased their stake in ownership of From Software, the makers of Elden Ring and the Dark Souls games and everything. They now own 14%. Uh, and Tencent, the Chinese company that has a stake in just about every video game company, it seems like these days, has increased their stake to 16%. So between the two of them, they now own 30% from software. Um, some people are excited. They think this may mean good news for something to do with Bloodborne, since that's a Sony franchise. They can't go and port that to Xbox or anything or make a sequel for Xbox. I don't know that this means much of anything other than this probably keeps them from going exclusive to the Xbox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this probably means any game that From Software makes anytime soon will be on Sony's console. Uh, another Sony uh, a developer usually associated with Sony is Quantic Dream. They made uh, Detroit and Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls. They have been acquired by another Chinese company, <laughs> NetEase. So they've been fully acquired. Uh, Quantic Dream is working on a new Star Wars game somewhere down the line, um, assumingly in the style of Detroit and Heavy Rain, sort of interactive sort of storytelling and everything. Um, yeah, 
your experience with those games is going to vary greatly. (laughs) (laughs) I liked Heavy Rain at the time. Um, Detroit was kind of a mess. So, you know, I think everybody's reactions will be a little different to that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Halo Infinite is not getting couch co-op for its campaign. So this was promised before launch. It got delayed. This was something they've been kind of keeping out there. Hey, this is coming. This is coming. And they just announced their roadmap um, for development of that game. And they have announced that they are canceling that feature. Um, I thought this was just kind of interesting because this is uh, a very clear situation of a game company promising a feature when they sold a game that they are now canceling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's disappointing. Yeah. Like, Like, why you got to yank people's chains like that? mm -hmm. Like, I'm not a Halo fan, but, you know, that's... Feels kind of, it just sucks. Like poor, poor folks. Let yeah. them have their game. This is how you lose people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly because that's a, a that's been a feature in past Halo games. Mm-hmm. So this is not like they were promising some pie in the sky thing and mm-hmm. then said, oh well, we couldn't get this technically working. This may be a technical reason they could not get this working because of the more open world nature of Halo Infinite. But even still. I can see this being very upsetting to a lot of players. It, it does feel like a weird thing to not be able to follow through on to me, too. Mm-hmm. Like, that, really? That's the, I don't know. Um, let's see. The head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, has come out and said, Overwatch, Call of Duty, and Diablo will come to Game Pass. Uh, this is presumably once the Activision deal, uh, Microsoft purchasing Activision, has cleared this isn't really news. This was kind of expected. I think the thing that's interesting is Phil Spencer has been very hesitant to talk about their plans after this deal closes. Mm-hmm. He's now talking about their plans after this deal closes, which seems to indicate he thinks this deal will close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll get the approval it needs. Um, so, yeah, if you were wondering, would Game Pass be worth it? Probably so if you're a Call of mm-hmm. Duty fan. Yeah, uh, I would assume that all those old Call of Duty games would come to Game Pass. Um, Assassin's Creed um, Mirage has leaked out some information, so some actual images leaked, and Ubisoft very quickly uh, filed DMCA uh, takedown reports on that, and those images have been taken down off of social media and everything. They're probably still out there if you know where to look, but they were taken down off of Twitter and some other places. Um this is their new Assassin's Creed game, which apparently is going to hew back to the classic style of Assassin's Creed games rather than the more open-world role-playing style that they've been the last few games. Um, this is going to be set in the Middle East. There is a level that was hinted at of the like sort of story of you know the Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. Um, they're, um, you know... It, they are supposedly trying to do more um, like dense crowd technology. So if you remember when the first Assassin's Creed was announced and shown off, that was one of the key selling points of it, that there were big crowds that you could walk through and everything. They're apparently trying to go back to that. This okay. really sounds like we're trying to make a classic Assassin's Creed game for the people mm-hmm. who have been disappointed with the more recent games. Mm-hmm. So, Which is fantastic. I I really support that. Yeah, I was going to ask, are any of you, like, 
big Assassin's Creed fans. No, but I like the idea of like doing the more like because I've I like open world stuff, but I also like things where the world's smaller, but there's so much to explore within that smaller mm-hmm. space. So, a game I kind of want to go back to that I was playing for a little bit was Yakuza Zero. Um, before we did this podcast, and I want to go back because the way they design like urban, like the urban spaces in Tokyo and stuff, it's just so dense and cramped back, and there's so much stuff going on that even if it's not as big and sprawling as other open worlds, there feels like plenty. And it just, it's just such, it just really brings the world like to life. Yeah, I mean, Yakuza is a f- fantastic series. Those are great games. Um, let's see. Konami has announced their schedule for Tokyo Game Show, which is coming up in a week or two. And uh, as part of that, they have announced that they're going to be announcing a new game that uh, they've said is from a beloved franchise worldwide. Please be Castlevania 99. Yeah. Please be Castlevania 99. Please be Castlevania 99. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Fingers crossed. I, I want a good Metroidvania return to that. Uh, well, I haven't played the new Castlevania, like the Castlevania reboot games. I was I was about to, but they took it off of the uh, PS Plus thing. But it, I would love a return to uh, uh, Metroidvania with Castlevania 99. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know what this is. They are supposedly working on a new Castlevania game. Uh, whether this will be what they're announcing or not, mm-hmm. they're also supposedly working on, you know, new games and all of their big franchises. So mm-hmm. I, I guess we'll see. I would be um, set for disappointment <laughs> 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 because it is Konami. Uh, they, <laughs> they've been nothing but disappointing in re- recent years. Fair. Um, I could see this being a new, some new entry in their soccer franchise, <laughs> which I think is called like eFootball now. Um, that yeah. is probably what it will <laughs> be. So like, guys, the new the new entry is we bought the Gex franchise and we're giving <laughs> you a new Gex. We know you've been wanting this. Oh, and all man. five fans cheer. <laughs> hey, I'm one of those five. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I just want Dana Gold back, you know, voicing Gex again. <laughs> That's fair. Um, something they are also uh, supposedly doing are new remasters of Metal Gear Solid 1 through 3. Ooh. So, um, you know, it, it's gotten to the point where it's kind of difficult, depending on what system you are you are on and everything, to get versions of these games. Um Metal Gear Solid 4 is the really hard one because that's only available on PlayStation 3. It's not available on any other systems, I believe. These have been ported to other places before, but it feels like in the modern age, you need really good you know, remasters of these available on Steam, available on Xbox, available on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. You know, one would hope available on Switch. Switch can definitely handle these, <laughs> I would think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that sounds pretty neat to me. Like, yeah, I think if they bring it to Switch, I w- those are games that I never got into, but always intrigued me. Mm-hmm. You know, just from playing Super Smash Bros. and seeing people do really well with Snake, and I was like, that looks fun. Mm-hmm. So if they bring it to Switch, those might be on my Christmas list this year. Like Empty Box Simulator. Yep. <laughs> yeah, these were games that I just I wasn't interested in around when they initially came out, and then like I think Metal. Gear Solid 4 came out, and I kind of grew interested in them. I just never got, like, an opportunity or time to, like, get all of them or anything. So this would be really cool. 
Yeah, I mean, I, those games are so important and influential, you know, particularly I think part one and part two were just hugely impactful games at the time. I wonder going back now, like how they'll hold up um, for people who didn't play them at that time, mm-hmm. right? Um, because so many games have come in their wake and like taken things from them, you know, and and improved on them, including the Metal Gear Solid franchise. Metal Gear Solid Five is a really well playing game, but is a very different game than Metal Gear Solid One uh, for that reason, just because of time and everything. So. Yeah, but like having them available, particularly if they're reasonable with this and, you know, price this at a, in a way that would make sense for people. Yeah, you know. I wouldn't pay $60 per game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not unless they're doing complete remakes from the ground up. They'd yeah. both be doing Final Fantasy VII type work on these. Yeah. Let's not forget the true great stealth game that they opened the doors for. Chicken Run on the PS1. Oh, my gosh. There was a deep cut for you. For folks that don't know, there was a uh, DreamWorks art of animation movies named named Chicken Run, and they made a game on it for the PS1. Just just a little deep cut for you. They're making a new Chicken Run movie. I read that this morning. I think it's on Netflix. Why? It's called The Secret of the Nugget. So you're you're hey. joking. No, I, I'm pretty sure that's right. I I may, I may have the wording of the subtitle wrong, but it does involve a nugget. I'm googling I, this. The Mel Gibson rooster get fried and they eat him. I mean, I'd I'd watch that. Like, I'm googling this right now. <laughs> Go right ahead. I, get a Mel if Gibson they make a sequel to this movie, I chicken. will actually cry. They already, I hated this movie. They already made a, a sequel to the first Chicken Run. They made us. Part two, right? Chicken Run two releasing so. on Netflix in twenty twenty three. Oh my word! Chicken Run True Electric Boot. Dawn of the Nugget. Dawn of the Nugget. <laughs> okay. I, I I hope they fry. The secret of the oh, Nugget so. actually is like that they like go, <laughs> <laughs> they find a chicken nugget and they're like, what is this? And then they eat it and then they find out <laughs> the film it becomes their favorite food. Oh my word! Or it's like it's like maybe this can be like soylent green, but with chickens. I mean, yes, that's an amazing children's film. <laughs> we we did it. We came up with the best children's film ever. Oh my word! On here. Uh, let's see. One last news story here. Nintendo is planning a direct for September. This comes from Jeff Grubb on Game Mess Mornings. Uh, it will focus on Zelda, presumably the new Zelda, the Breath of the Wild Part 2 sequel, but it will also include news on ports of Twilight Princess and Wind Waker to the Switch. So those ports were made for the Wii U. Those are some of the few games that were first-party releases on the Wii U that haven't gotten ported to Switch yet. Um, this has been rumored for a while, and so uh, you know if they're going to release those ports sometime this year, which would make sense because you can't release them next year when you're releasing Breath of the Wild 2 mm-hmm. unless you're pushing Breath of the Wild 2 to 2024, um, in which case you might as well just say we're releasing it on Switch 2 mm-hmm. whenever yeah. we release yeah. that. Um so, yeah, um, I don't know. Are you all excited to play these? I am. I've never actually got a chance to play those. Uh, so I'm really excited to have a, a port for the Switch where I'll be able to play them. I have played, tw- uh, 
I've played Wind Waker, but I've never played Twilight Princess, so I'm really excited for the chance to play it. Uh, the rumors have been that they would be packed together, mm-hmm. so it might be a $60 pack for the two of them, mm-hmm. which expensive but more reasonable. I'll say $30 yeah. for per game, really, at that point. That's mm-hmm. reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so presumably that'll get announced sometime uh, this month and everything, probably sometime around Tokyo Game Show. Sony is also rumored to be doing some sort of event this month to announce some of their games. So it's going to be a very busy month for new video games in September. All right, that does it for news. So that leads us to the end of the show. And our big question, our big question this week is that college football is really kind of kicking off this weekend. I think there were some games last weekend, but big games and the big teams are all playing this weekend. Um, so do you have a favorite sports game? Not necessarily football, but any sort of sports game that you really enjoy. Um, it could even be sports entertainment. It could be a WWE or NCW, uh, game, uh, WCW, I say NCW, (laughs) uh, national championship wrestling. This is before they got really big and went worldwide. (laughs) Um, so, um, Ryan, why don't we start with you? I mean, there's not many sports games I'm that interested in. I guess if I have to pick one, just for nostalgia's sake, I'll pick Mario Tennis on the N64. Oh, um, we were just talking about it. Yes. <laughs> um, like, I remember, like, having fun, like, as a kid, like, seeing how, feeling how all the characters played differently and that, you know, it. And, like, kind of realizing what characters I was best was playing with and stuff. And then, like, oh, you can choose different courts, and that affects how the ball bounces and stuff. And I think mm-hmm. I just had, like, fun with the variety as a kid for, on that. Um, and I remember learning about Donkey Kong Jr. on it. Like, what what is Donkey Kong Jr.? I didn't know about this. And, <laughs> um, but the big thing, of course, is that it introduced the world to Waluigi and <laughs> where character design and all media peaked. And, it, you know, it's kind of plummeted ever since. <laughs> I like, uh, yeah, I just have fun with Waluigi, so it was cool that I introduced him. So, um, but is it a game I play a lot now? Probably not, but I it just it has a bit of a nostalgia in me, and I'm not a big sports games person like usually. So, just knowing what that was to me at the time, I'm gonna pick that Mario Tennis on the N64. Is is Mario Tennis possibly the Harper Lee of character design? <laughs> Oh my god! And that they created one great work with Waluigi and said, "That's it. I have nothing else to contribute." <laughs> like, wh- wh- what else do you need to contribute? You have revolutionized character design forever. Like, you you took Snidely Whiplash and made him new in the Mario world. I you turned an, uh, an L upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call him a loser. He he'll turn that L upside down. Um, all right. Cool. So Mario Tennis, those are actually like fantastic games. If people have ever thought they would be real kiddish games or something, those are actually really well-playing games. I I would actually like to maybe play Mario Tennis, like the newer ones again, because I remember like the Wii one was like just so goofy and weird, and I loved it. So Yeah. Um, Aces, I think, is the one on yeah. Switch, and um, that's a good game. I, I have that game, and it, it's pretty fun. Um, you know, it's not a deep um, tennis game, but it's a very fun tennis game. Um, OJ. Uh, 
So as I, I was thinking about this first when I when I read this question is do you have a favorite sports game and I was thinking like like oh I'm making fun of like sports game and then I was thinking like oh I, well I, I don't really like one but now that I realize we're talking about video games which I should have thought about for some reason my brain wasn't working um, <laughs> do you think we were just like a specific basketball game in history yeah I guess and, uh, so. In the video game podcast where we ask about your favorite Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, so I, now I, I've been str- like struggling to think about this for the past moment or so. But uh, so I always like the Tony Hawk games and we sports. But uh, there was a game that we played and playing for pets that I really liked, which was Super Slam Dunk Touchdown, I think is what it was called. Yeah, uh, I think that's the time. And, I always have to check yeah. it. <laughs> Uh, and so it's, uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's a game where uh, you can pick to play somebody from different types of sports. So there's a soccer player, an ice hockey player, a football player, etc. And then um, you're in this uh, field which has like a hockey goal and it has a football goal and it has uh, a few other things. And so each of the characters has different strengths and weaknesses and uh, it's a pretty awesome sports game that puts all of them together and makes me think of sports game rather than, you know, a game with a specific name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a fantastic game because, yeah, like, you can score in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can kick it through the uprights or you can run it in or you can kick it into the goal. And it's just a fantastic party game. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, easy to pick up and play and, like, everyone seems to have a good time with it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, all right, Alicia. So my original answer, because I also was like, I don't know sports games, although I knew we were talking about sports video games. <laughs> but I would have loved it if one of you had come in and actually just start talking about like Super Bowl 24 <laughs> is my favorite because I, I just would have lost it. <laughs> I wouldn't have known how to respond. Uh, but so my initial answer is, the Harry Potter Quidditch World Cup game on the PlayStation 2. My sister and I played the Living Daylights out of that as kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was always Ravenclaw or Slytherin, and she was always Gryffindor or Hufflepuff. Um, but then I thought about it some more, and I really would be remiss, and my mom would never forgive me if I didn't make a shout-out to the Wii Play game. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a follow-up to Wii Sports. And specifically the charge game where you had the Wii remote tilted sideways and you were racing a cow to knock over scarecrows. I had fun with all of Wii Play, but that one just deserves an honor, a special mention because my mom loves the living daylights out of that. <laughs> I mean, this game came out in 2006. We got it, you know, right away when it came out. Mm-hmm. It is now 2022. She still talks about it. She's still like, <laughs> we should break out the Wii and play that cow game again. <laughs> and we're like, Mom, our Wii has not been turned on in like 10 years <laughs> at least. I don't think the remotes charge anymore. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do this. I mean, I believe in your ability to like update the controller. <laughs> Even if it's just new batteries in this case. <laughs> I don't think the charging station works anymore. <laughs> I don't know if I can, I, I, that might be too powerful even for me. <laughs> I need the power of friendship and update controller. 
I need you all to come to my house and give me the power of friendship to update this controller. Just put on My Little Pony or something. Is the power of friendship when it comes to us, though, just mocking you <laughs> as you update the controllers? Because I feel like that's been your experience with us. At least when it comes to controller. I don't think we're mean to you generally, but... Mean to Sonic, maybe. Well, we definitely are mean to Sonic. Well, to be fair, Justin and I sat here before you two got here making fun of Sonic 06 for like 10 minutes. So. That's true. We, we did. I feel like Sonic is like Alicia's little brother. That we're all like, oh, no, your little brother's coming around again. Let's get her slingshots, guys. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, that's... That's a good story, though, about your mom. My mom's kind of the same way. Like, my mom, if it, we talk about video games. She wants to play Super Mario Brothers or Tetris or um, Motocross Maniacs on the Game Boy because she would play Tetris on the Game Boy, and I had Motocross Maniacs, which is a fantastic game. Like, it's really, like, a, a classic, like, great game on the Game Boy, and for whatever reason, like it's one of the few games my mom ever got into, but she really got into it and she got really good at it. <laughs> like, and I think at the time she was better than I was at, I know she was better at, at Tetris than I was, but she was better at motocross maniacs than I was. And she would like, you know, it was one of those situations when you're a kid, like you walk in your room and you're like, where's my game boy? And you walk through the house and there's your mom in the living room <laughs> playing your game boy. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's funny and and sweet that like she still wants to play the the cow race game. <laughs> uh, along the same lines, my parents used to play Jack Nicholas golf on the SNES, which yeah. is a, a fantastic golf game. But they would play it so much, like all the time. <laughs> like I'd leave for school, they were playing it. I'd come home, they were playing it. Like like don't go you go to, bed, to work? So he's found us out. <laughs> well, both of my parents were disabled, so they didn't work. So oh. they were able to sit and play Jake, Jack Nicholas golf all day. And they did. <laughs> I just think it's funny that you brought that up because I've been rewatching like Simpsons a bunch. Mm-hmm. And I watched the episode where like Bart gets caught for shoplifting and they reference that game. And that's the game he gets instead of the, like, the Mortal Kombat like game that he wants. Yeah. Instead, he gets that. Oh, and man. Marge is so happy and proud when she gets it for him. And he's just looking. It's like. <laughs> at the end of the episode they show him playing it for like a few seconds and he quits yeah and he quits <laughs> it's, it's pretty fantastic that's a great classic simpsons episode it is i have never seen that i'll have to actually check that out i think simpsons we, watch party is all i'm saying they actually somebody a few years ago actually made a version of that game in in the the episode. Oh, nice. Where you could download. I think it was, it ran on the PC. I don't think it was like a ROM for the Nintendo. Um, but anyways, you could actually download that and play that game as it's shown in the Simpsons episode. Um, yeah, like my dad was really, he was a big golfer. And so um, one year for Christmas, we, my, me and my siblings bought him the new Lynx game. He would never go and buy himself a computer game, uh, but we went and bought him links, and it was like fifty dollars, which when we were kids was a lot of money. So we went. Shoot, in that's together. a lot of money to me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yes, in fairness, <laughs> but like it was one of those things where, like, when you're a kid, you're really proud you can do this for your dad, and he loved it. He every night would sit in there and play <laughs> links on the computer, and uh, really got into it and everything, and. 
So I have a very fond memory of Lynx for that reason. Um, so for me, favorite sports game, um, you know, I, I think I came in here and I was, I was sort of thinking, like, I actually do play sports games and I play them more in different periods in my life. So like nowadays I play NBA 2K some. Um, in the past I played like NFL 2K, like back around the Dreamcast era. Um, so it's whatever kind of sport I'm into at the moment. I'll play some of the more mainstream sports games. But I do have a lot of fond memories tied to like the wrestling games of the N64 era because I was in college and so we would sit in the dorm room and play these games together and everything. So NC, uh, I keep saying NC, NC I guess I'm thinking NCAA, WCW NWO Revenge was a game that we played an awful lot in college. So I have a lot of fond memories of that. I think maybe the best sports game ever, though, OJ, you said this earlier, is the Tony Hawk games. Mm -hmm. Like, as far as, like, a game that I just think is, like, fantastic and plays mm -hmm. incredible and I can go back and play at any time, mm -hmm. uh, those games are just amazing. That recent remake that they did of those, of Part 1 and Part 2 together, just a fantastic game. Like, that's just an, an all-time great game. Um, yeah, the Tony Hawk games were essentially perfect games, Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those first three are just mm -hmm. fantastic games. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, that was the kind of fun of part of this recent remake of 1 and 2 is they went back and just remade all the levels and everything but included some of the movements that got added in 2 and 3. Yes. So you have the revert and all those sorts of moves as part of it. Um yeah, there's lots of good sports games, particularly if you open it up to, I think, a lot of the things that we were talking about, which are more diverse sports games, not just Madden football or NBA 2K. Football! Yeah, football. <laughs> <laughs> sports go sports. <laughs> is that a uh, Garfunkel and Oates reference? Yes, it is. <laughs> I can't wait to go to the sports ball concert. <laughs> Um, all right, that does it for this week. Um, as always, if you have comments, thoughts, or anything, you can send those to justin.young at siu.edu. You can find this podcast and all sorts of other stuff that we do on salukigames.com. I want to thank OJ, Ryan, and Alicia for joining me, as always. And uh, we will be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.